It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs and have some fun. And we welcome you to Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thanks for being with us. Bob Popple, along with two-time Super Bowl champion Jonathan Casillas. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a little fun here today. It's draft day. You want to get in on the conversation? 201-939-4513. Find us on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat. Remind you, you can find the archive of this show if you want to watch it again. Of course, it'll be dated by tonight. Uh and part of our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms, wherever you find them, and at Giants.com slash podcasts. All right, Jonathan, the draft begins today. Uh, it's, I've got to remind people, it's three days of draft. Yep. doesn't begin and end today, but exciting time for the Giants. I think the best part about it is the Giants are picking late. You think that's the best part? Yes. Oh, because of what happened how many during more the season. Year, how many, yeah, how many more years <laughs> are, we gonna, the, are the Giants picking in the top five? This is true. I like the late pick, and as I joke with Joe Shane and John Mara the other day in MetLife Stadium at this event we are at, you know, I said I'd sign up for picking 32nd a couple right. times. I would love to that pick 32nd. That means you're going last. Yeah, man. So this is, a, this is that time of year, right, where you kind of just – you let the board fall to you. I mean, you're trying to make predictions as to who the Giants may take. If there's a run on the quarterbacks early, it pushes players down the board. What are some of the areas that you think the Giants are looking to attack, not only tonight, but throughout this weekend to make this team better? Well, I think, number one, we spoke about having that dominant wide receiver. you know, And I think they did a good job in free agency and addressing that, number one, by re-signing Isaiah Hodgins. I think they did a good job at that. Paris Campbell, some guys that played some good football, maybe not the best football, maybe not the greatest players, but they add depth at that position. So I think the Giants, if one of those talented young receivers coming out of the college are around at 25, I say they make a play on that. you know. And I was thinking interior offensive line, sure. but from what I've heard Shane saying, is like he's almost addressed it already. From the guys that they have in house, I think they have 13 linemen, 14 linemen uh, right now on the roster. And the names that he spoke of, and I was listening to one of one of his uh, interviews, and he was basically saying that after the season, after they played the Philadelphia Eagles, that they were already making plans for Nick Gates and Feliciano to be gone. And I didn't really see too many people coming in besides one guy that they brought in, a veteran guy, uh, you know, not too many guys. But it's like almost they're going to handle it in-house, you know. So maybe they don't go early in the draft at that interior alignment position. But I always think you can go pass rusher. You can always go defensive back. You can always go corner, I think, is one of the main needs. Yeah. Um, like I said, you can always go pass rusher, right? Because the, the way the game has been in the last 10 years, it's evolved to the passing game, the more finesse game, timing, rhythm, and you need people to disrupt that, right? You need to, people to disrupt these $100 million, $150 million, $200 million quarterbacks, and they have to do a good job in disrupting them all game, and you need depth along the defensive line, right? Right. Well, I remember Ernie Accorsi when he drafted Matthias Kiwanuka out of Boston College, uh, and the Giants had... O.C., Strahan, and Tuck already there. And Ernie looked at me, and we were just chatting. He said, can never have too many passwords. That's the truth. That's and the truth. that was in the, the mid-2000s, and the game has evolved now to such a point where you need them in waves. Yep. you got teams we've got. Look, I think they have to address the cornerback situation. Yep. Uh, obviously, receiver is going to be an area of need. And I would expect somewhere in this draft the Giants will – pick up uh, an interior offensive lineman, someone who's a center that can play both guard positions, who's versatile. That That's the thing that this coaching staff is really looking for are players that have versatility, that can play multiple positions because it helps you on game day when you're trying to figure out your roster, hey, is, is he going to play a lot of special teams? And can I bounce him out to tackle if I need to? Can I play him at both guards? And can he snap? Yep. 
Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, we talk about the three different positions, guard, center, and tackle. That's the, basically the fundamentals of playing those three positions. And I think a lot of guys that the Giants now have on the roster, especially in that interior position, those interior positions, that they can play at multiple positions. And I think that's what Joe Shane was addressing and has been addressing, that basically they're almost going to handle it in-house. Now, I'm not I'm not saying they won't take a a center or guard, probably center, that first 25th pick, but maybe in the second round they can go after it. You know, and the fun part about this is now, Papa, is that you just get to speculate. You just get to speculate and, you know, throw some ideas out there, but the ultimate part, the ultimate responsibility comes down to Joe Shane and what they're going to do. And and I've been talking about this consistently on BBKL. I trust Joe Shane. Well, I, why would you not? <laughs> I trust that he has a plan and there's a list of maybe eight to 12 guys that could possibly be there and they're going to be quality guys, not only great football players, but great men because that's who's been added to this roster. A lot of the guys that, number one, they re-signed for the Giants, Sterling Shepard being one of the guys that I'm talking about, veteran guy, locker room guy, a glue guy, a guy that last year got hurt early in the season and could have just walked away or just been at rehab and then went home. No, he was the number one cheerleader in the NFL. I'm sorry, Dallas Cowboys. Sterling Shepard was the number one cheerleader in the NFL. He was always around, and people, you know, they they – he got the guys together, you know, and I was out with them after they won the Indianapolis game and secured that playoff spot for the first time in six years. And Sterling led the night. He was the DJ. He was the one, you know, kind of getting the guys together. Daniel Jones was there. And I was like, man, we never got Eli Manning out the house. You know, like he never hung out with the guys, you not know what until, I mean? Not until later. Until later, you know. Um, you know, so I saw that last year that what Joe Shane and Dayball built was established. They were building culture. They were building identity. Something that I feel like the Giants haven't had since Tom Coughlin left in 2015. Yeah, I mean, and that's what they're trying to do when they're trying to put get good football players. L- listen, I think this is a very important draft. I thought last year with the new regime coming in and with them sort of overhauling not only the college side of it but the pro side of it, getting the right people in place, they had a, a very good draft last year. Kind of reminds me a little of 84 and then 85, they backed it up with another strong draft. That's Papa, how you I was born in 87. You can't do this to me. Well, I can do that you to you. You can't do this to well, me. There's a lot of fans out there remember it. <laughs> Carl Banks, 1984, <laughs> third overall pick. So um, I think the draft is still the lifeline to all this. And I think this year two draft is just as important as last year's draft. Absolutely. Was. And I think they hit it out the park last year. I think Joe Shane did a great job. And a lot of the rookies that, that got drafted, not even early, a lot of the rookies that just got drafted in general didn't survive the year. You know, and I think that's that's a major key that I think that has been addressed probably in the weight room and in the talks about the turf actually being, you know, figured out and dealt with. Um, because if I'm not mistaken, Bob, Giants had almost double in terms of ACL injuries than the next team, which is like, okay, we got to figure this out. This is a problem in the last few years. This is a big problem. We got guys that are coming in, Wanda Robinson, great player, right? Or is he? We didn't really see enough from him because he got hurt so early. Azudu having injuries, right? Evan Neal having that knee injury all year, and it's like, is he a good player? I mean, I can tell you if he was healthy the whole year, if he's a good player or not. You just don't know. Uh, Beavers getting hurt, like guy that was playing very well in training camp and didn't really, you know, didn't do anything in the season because he was hurt. So I think addressing that too and keeping these guys healthy because they're having a draft class from twenty twenty two that didn't really get that much experience because they were banged up. So they almost got two draft classes this year. You got class of 2023, which happens this, you know, tonight and this weekend, and then you got the class of 2022 who got to introduce themselves. I won't even say reintroduce themselves. Some of these guys didn't play a down and were high draft picks or did very well in training camp and didn't really do anything because of injuries. All right, let's set the telephone number. Uh this is the first time I've ever hosting the show. I've popped on as a guest a, a couple rookie. times real quick. It's hard to believe, but 201-939-4513. The Giants Huddle Podcast. Hey, the draft's tonight, but if you have time before it starts, go check out the content on the Giants Huddle and Draft Season Podcast. Great content like the final mock draft that's been done, interviews with former scouts, front office personnel, uh, draft analysis. Search and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or go to Giants.com slash podcast. Everything lives there. And don't forget, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star positive review. 
for all of our Giants podcasts. That must be Schmelk must have wrote that copy, Baggin. <laughs> Baggin, please leave a five star. All right, let's go to uh, Charleston and welcome in Tim. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello, Jonathan, again. And Bob, it's an honor and a pleasure to speak with you for what I believe is my first time. Yeah. So, um, welcome I want to obviously. Tim. Thank you. Well, I obviously talk about the draft. So a couple of takeaways I want to throw up there first before I go into the other thing, and that leads to a question I have for you guys. And one, I mean, you know, I know you can't be all just position concentrated, but, Bob, like you said, you know, we got to get corner. And I see the Giants at some level in this draft coming out with, I think, two corners and a wide receiver. I think the first corner has to be quality. So that being said, um, I think the Giants are probably – Best served, I, I think, in, m- looking at it a, a lot, too much probably, to, to move up a bit in the second round. And I know seventh-round picks aren't going to do it. I'd rather not give anything away fourth round or higher in this draft. But I think if you threw in a lower-round pick and maybe swapped a four and five with a team next year, or four for their five, it might get it done to move up like ten picks or so in the second round. And what I, the way I'm looking at it is this. <clears throat> Whatever, if, if we get, um, whatever we don't get in the first round, if we don't get a cornerback in the first round, we absolutely, I feel like, have to take one in the second round. So maybe we take Kaylee Ringo, or if we, even if we have to move up, and I don't think you have to move up as much for maybe only five picks, if that, if anything. But now the question I have, that if someone... But just, rem- just, remember, just remember one thing, right, Tim? When you say they have to get a quarterback, cornerback in the second round as an example... The question is, is however their board is stacked and their board upstairs is different than the 31 other teams in the National Football League, um, there may be a player that has just a much higher grade than the highest graded cornerback that's left. I would assume that they will either look to trade back or they're going to take a player that has a, a significantly higher grade. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you, but, uh, you know, anomalies aside. Um, so the question I kind of have is, I mean, if would, – would, and I'm going to name specific players here. I don't, I don't know if you want to get into that, but in the first round, um, if we take a corner, maybe we move up in the second round. I love Cedric Tillman. I know Paul's in love with him. Um, if, we take a, if we take a wide receiver or other, you know, I think Kelly Ringo is probably – the best guy that might, we might get in a second. Mm-hmm. All, of the, all of the things aside. But I got an either-or for you. Would, I, I, if each of you would give me your opinion. If, would you rather have grab a guy like as talented but as small as he is, Emmanuel Forbes in the first round and move up and get a, the receiver we want in the second? Or would you rather take, say, like a Jalen Hyatt in the first round and move up and get the cornerback or wait for the cornerback to fall to you that you want in the second? Which would those, I mean, because Forbes is, he's intriguing, but he worries me. So I wanted your opinion on that. Thank you, guys. I'll take it off the air. All right, awesome. awesome. Yeah, I mean, he's only, uh, he's 166 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, diminutive. Uh, <laughs> and I think that, you know, in this defense, you got to be able to tackle. Yep. Um, you know, I, again, I think, I, I don't think they're going to push the issue with the corner. It really depends on what the run is, right? If there is all this movement as predicted with the quarterbacks, it's going to push good players down the board. I think the edge rushers are going to come off. Uh, I think B. John Robinson will come off. And then is there a run on some of the offensive linemen, the tackles, or is there a run on the corners? Mm-hmm. And at 25, you're kind of at the mercy of what, the, what run happens. Yeah, so like you said, you're at the mercy of the 24 picks prior, probably 20, 22 picks because I think the other guys are going for quarterbacks and we kind of got those locked in already or, or not. You know, we got to figure out what they're going to do with the kid from Florida. That's huge, and the kid from Kentucky as well. Um, you know, but you're at the mercy of other teams, you know, and, and like I said earlier, the Giants have their 8 to 10 players that they could possibly get at that 25th pick given how the run goes. You know, if they do make a splash at corner or a DB and then we're left over at a receiver or they make the run at receivers and we are left over at corner. But for me, that the kid size at 166, 170 pounds, we have small corners in this team already. 
I don't know if adding another small corner on a team is ideal and what the Giants want to do, especially when you look at the division and these big receivers, CeeDee Lamb and guys that, you know, uh, that they got to match up with. You know, uh, the guy from Philadelphia, he's bigger than me playing receiver. What's his name again? The the, kid, the number one receiver from Philly? AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Brown's bigger than me. He's 230 oh my pounds. God. When I you stood need, on the field you need to have before some... the regular season finale in Philadelphia and just standing there on the field, at first, because he didn't have any equipment on, you know, he had his shorts and, you know, a dry fit shirt on, and he's out there. I see Devontae Smith, which, by the way, I can't believe that that guy doesn't break. He's 160 pounds. And I'm, I'm looking, and I'm looking at Brown, and I'm like, at first, I thought I was like, "Man, that linebacker's got good hands." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I realized, "Wait a second, that's AJ Brown." That's AJ Brown. I don't yeah. think people. But realize. you gotta have you gotta have guys to match up, and you got uh, Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin's still in Washington, right? He didn't move anywhere, right? Oh, he's still there. Okay, Scary Terry's still there, and, and the he's name's one Scary of the most Terry. Underrated receivers in the National Football. Bro, he's he's something else, and he's another guy who's not small, you know. And I think the Giants, they're gonna. At the end of the day, because the division was so good last year, the Giants literally don't have to look outside of the division. And to be honest, they don't have to look outside of going down 95 to Philadelphia and look to how to how to beat Philly, you know, draft to beat Philly, right? The teams, when I talk about, you know, drafting to beat a certain team, when the Lakers had uh, Shaq, right, you had to draft your roster to be able to withstand this dominant force. And I think the Giants have to draft to be able to handle what the Philadelphia Eagles bring to the table. And I think, I think just to finish up Tim's question in a roundabout way, I think however the run goes in front of them, then they're going to either look for the best corner available at that moment or if the corners that they really like are off the board, they may look for a best receiver at that moment. Yep. And then try to maneuver in round two and go pick up a corner. Let's go to Wilson in Roxbury. Wilson, welcome to uh, Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, Jonathan. Dímelo, papi. Hey, 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 Bob, listen, man, I'm a huge fan. I've been listening to you for a long time, and it's really, really nice talking to you, man. But yeah, I, good I wanna, to talk I wanna say, Hey, listen, I want to say something before I get to my point, Bob. I'm known in the show for saying crazy stuff. Okay. So maybe after, <laughs> I, I, after my phone call, you might need a fifth drink. It's midday, man. So, it's early. <laughs> Local. All right. So, so, all right. So, so, okay. All kidding aside. So, Bob, I want to ask you guys this. Would you agree with me that the NFC as a whole is wide open? That it seems like all the quarterbacks are on, are on the AFC? The AFC is stronger than the NFC from top oh, to bottom. Okay. I don't think there's okay. any question about that, but okay. I think there's some okay. very strong teams in the NFC. I think the number of them is just smaller than in the AFC. It, right exactly. It, it, it's, so the chance of you winning is it, it, higher. Well, yeah. You yeah. could you okay. could say that, but you got to think about Wilson. What division yeah. the Giants are in? The Giants no, share no, a division no. with the Eagles and the Cowboys. No, no, no. And the I, Giants I got swept Jonathan. by both of them no. last year. No, no, no. I, I understand, Jonathan. And the reason I said that is this: I want Joe Shaman today. Today, I want Joe Shane to forget about the future. Just forget about the future. <laughs> the okay? future. If you <laughs> okay, here goes my crazy stuff. <laughs> this is, this is, right. No, no. But I, the reason why I'm saying it, no, the reason why I'm saying that is this. If you feel that there's a guy there, you have conviction, because, listen, the, the draft is a crapshoot anyway. You don't know. But if you feel that if you have conviction that there's a guy there that's going to help you this year and, obviously, the organization as a whole for the future, but it's going to help you this year. It's going to make an impact this year. If you need to overpay, Bob, overpay, man. Overpay. You mean, like, as far is as that, making a trade? Yes. As far as you need to give a first round and maybe a second round, whatever it but, is. But here, because, so 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 Wilson, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the counter argument to that. Okay. According to a lot of the people that study this very well, and some of the people that I've talked to uh, outside of the Giants, but with other teams around the National Football League, the feeling is is that this is not a top heavy draft. Meaning, there's only a couple of guys that really are going to be huge impact guys right out of the gate. Like, there's not a Jamar Chase in this. There's not a Sauce right. Gardner. So right. it's not okay. worth giving up capital to, it, to move worth. up that much because you could probably get a similar player right where you are and a similar okay. player when you pick in the second round. Okay. Well, okay. So, right. I, I understand that. But, what, but 
my, I guess my point is this. My, I guess my point was that, uh, that uh, you know, I don't want to think about the future anymore. You know, like uh, thinking about the future, I feel like th- like organizations that think about the future too much, they never, they never seem to win. Like we thought about the future for, for five, six years, you know, which it was a disaster. Finally, we got a little taste of, of, of you know, of winning or playoffs and you know, I, I don't want to go back to thinking about the future. I want to move forward and, well, and, you know, try to make... Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm making any yes, sense. Yes, I, I understand what you're saying, but I think that one of the things that's made Joe Shane and Brian Dable and this entire new team mm-hmm. uh, very positive to the Giants is they're looking at the present as well as the future. And that's what made, well, Bill, just... that's what made Bill Belichick so great because he was always okay. planning for the future while trying to win at that time, yep. addressing and the now, addressing the now. So there's a it's a fine line there, but you know you it, you'd be you would not be doing your job properly if you never had an eye on the future. Yep. Because no, no, no. I, I, no, I understand that, Bob. I understand that, but it seems like it seems like the NFL is 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 becoming more like year to year business. You know, I mean. Forget about the Chiefs because the Chiefs, is, you know, they have Patrick Mahomes and whatever it is. But I'm saying, you know, you can be great because there's no guarantees that the, the, the Giants, you know, because they have a tougher schedule, they're going to be in the playoffs. You know what I mean? So there's no guarantees. It's, it's like a year-to-year business like the NFL. You know what I mean? So that's why I, when people say, well, don't worry about the future, there's not really that much future, I think. It's more like, you know, if you, if you have a chance to win, Try to win, you know. I understand you can't completely like gut the, you know, the team and and you draft capital, but you know, just I just don't want to think about this. I guess because we 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 lost for so long that I'm sick and tired. That right. when I got a little taste of winning, <laughs> I, I want to keep going. So I guess I'm a little selfish, and I'm also talking as a fan, not not as a, yeah. as a Wilson, front office guy. Well, and that's okay. That's okay. Th- th- that, that's okay. But you know, if you look the last mm-hmm. three or four years, maybe five years, going back to what Tampa mm-hmm. Bay did and what the Rams did, the Rams kind of followed the trend of Tampa Bay, and they went out and sold out for the now. They really, right. really weren't invested too much in the future, and they got right. their, they got their roster stronger fast. And I think it's going to yeah. cost them in futures. Yeah, and, and listen, it was yeah. worth it for Tampa to Absolutely. do it because they bring Brady in, they win the Super Bowl, and let's face it, if it wasn't for a great Matthew Stafford comeback the next year, there's a good chance the Bucks would have gone to back to back Super right. Bowls. Yep. The Rams right. they got their Super Bowl didn't work right. out as well for the Rams because now they're in a complete. Yep. Reconstruction. Yep. I mean, so, so Wilson, look. Let me yep. tell you something. The draft is the future. Like that's what no, the no, no, draft no. is. You know. So for you to say that is kind of like opposite of what the draft actually is. The draft literally is drafting players for the future. So the Giants yep. have to look for the future. And the thing is, when you do pick a guy in the first round, unless it's a quarterback that's going to back a starting quarterback up, you expect that guy to play early and for a right. long time. You know, so it's not right, just no, now. No. It's definitely for the future, Wilson. Wilson, appreciate right. the phone call, my man. Enjoy the night. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy <laughs> the new direction of your favorite franchise. Let's go to uh, Scott in New Mexico. Scott, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. Good uh, afternoon, guys. Uh, first afternoon. of all, Bob, uh, I think you're one of the more superlative announcers I've listened to you on a number of different broadcasts and different uh, sports venues, and uh, you're sensational, so I just wanted to let you oh, know Oh, thank that. you. Very nice of you. Uh, my question is this. Uh, been a long-time Giant fan, looking forward to the draft, but I have a basic question. The two things the Giants couldn't do last year is they couldn't stop the run, and the second thing they couldn't do is they couldn't score until probably the end of the season. They weren't scoring a lot of points. Uh, when you draft, uh, I have a particular player that I would like to see drafted at number 25. Uh, say, uh, and his name is Steve Avila. He's from TCU. He's a guard center, which I think would help the offensive line, which, which is where I think you need to start to really build the rosters, uh, both defensively and offensive lines. But say a Michael Meyer comes down uh, to 25 is available, and he has a higher draft grade. Does it always have to be where the where it becomes mutually uh, in opposition of each other, where the value of a player is more important than the need of a player? 
And I was wondering what your perspective was on that, both you and Jonathan, because the whole idea of the draft is the best it's draft the best players that help you. Uh, Michael Meyer is a sensational athlete, but you already have three tight ends. So I'm wondering, and I'm just using that as one example. There's obviously it's a great It's a great example, though, because it goes back to my Matthias Kiwanuka conversation earlier right. in the show. You know, they had drafted Tuck, who was outstanding in his rookie season. Strahan was still a dominant player, and O.C. was, you know, a very, very good player, becoming a dominant player in his own right. And the last thing they really needed when you looked at their needs going into that draft was a pass rusher. But the grade on him was so much higher than the next player on the board. And, you know, it's like when Carl Banks got drafted third overall in 84. They had Lawrence Taylor. They had Brad Van Pelt. I mean, they had Harry Carson. They were loaded at linebacker. Mm -hmm. But you don't pass up a player that – supersedes the next grade you have on a player. So in the example that you're using, if there's a player that gets pushed down the board that the Giants have a very high grade on and it doesn't necessarily fit what the prognosticators have said is team needs, they're going to take the best player and they'll figure out a way to make it work. I think so too. And you also have to remember, you know, Waller has an injury history the last couple years. So you got to take all those things in consideration. Never pass up on a player that has a much higher grade than the next guy on your board. Yeah. Yep. So the need, uh, even though the need might be greater, you still take the best player with the higher grade is my understanding. Correct. Unless, uh, now, but then there's, there's naturally there's the gray area. The gray area, is, okay. the gray area is if the grade is relatively close or the grade is a tie, what you'll then do is you will also then factor in the need of your football team to break your tie. Yep. But if the number is scale, yeah. right? But if the number is value. drastically different, they're gonna take the best player, even it's as, even if it's at a position that they don't necessarily need to take. One. I agree. Okay. Yep, I agree. All right. Well, I appreciate your analysis. <clears throat> Thank you, guys. Scott. Thanks. Nice talking with you. The Giants' official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, will bring you original video content, game highlights on demand and direct. To Big Blue fans, Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and, of course, always on the Giants mobile app. Hey, I want to just do a draft day memory with you. So 2009, you don't even get drafted. What was it like for you kind of sitting through all of that? That was rough. (laughs) Where did you think, according to your agent and feelers that you had gotten from teams, where you might go? Well, the projected draft projection for Jonathan Casillas, University of Wisconsin coming out in 2008, uh, last year, 2008, 2009, was second to fourth round grade. And, um, you know, I had every indication that I was going to go, you know, earlier in the draft. And um, remember the name DeAndre Levy, played for the Lions for a long time. He was my roommate slash my other linebacker, you know, and we had very similar numbers in college. I had more tackles, he had more sacks. He was more of a pass rusher. I was more of a coverage linebacker, but very similar in numbers. I was faster than him, stronger than him. I had numbers. My numbers were a little bit better than his. He got drafted in the third round. So when he got drafted, first of all, that's my brother. So I love that he got drafted to Detroit in the third round. And I was so happy for him, but I was like, I got, I'm going to go very soon because my brother just went and I'm going to go soon. Bob, I didn't get a phone call to the fifth round. Not to the fifth round. And that was a draft party I had in my house. You know, back in the day, it was two days of the draft. It was the first day was the first and the second. And then the second day was third through seventh. And that's a long day. That's a long day. So we started a draft party, whatever, 10 a.m., whatever the case is. Dre went early. DeAndre Levy went early. And I basically waited around my phone for four or five hours with no calls or nothing, no contact. And I reached out to my agent. And I was like, what is going on? He was like, you haven't got a call yet? He was confused. Um, And then, you know, it was a time where I went upstairs in my house, had all my family members downstairs, and I broke down because that was the first time in my life where I felt like I put in the the necessary work 
over my four years at college, four years in high school, during that draft process of training that I put into work. And now all of a sudden, I feel like I'm not getting what the, the work that I put in, I'm not getting what I deserve or what I work for. And that was the first time I felt like that adversity truly in my life. And it was only for a brief minute. My mom came upstairs and my mom always always tells me what I need to hear, when I need to hear it. Some moms do that. You know, and I ended up going downstairs with confidence and, you know, with a little bit of revitalized energy. I got my first phone call from the Saints. They said they were going to take me in that, that, that round. They didn't do it. Then my second call was from Tampa Bay, and that ended up being the two teams. So 10 hours later, after my draft party started, and only a few people at my house, um, after the draft was over, it was a very hard, you know, uh, uh, realization to swallow when you were supposed to get drafted pretty early and you don't get drafted at all and now you have callers you know guys actually calling in and I had to pick between the New Orleans Saints and they were going to offer me they were offer me $7,000 a sign mm-hmm. and then I was it was between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who offered me $30,000 a sign but when I looked at the rosters um, Jonathan Vilma had a huge part to play in me going to New Orleans because he was with uh, uh, with my agency and he was a guy who I previously spoke to about coming to the Saints or going to the draft. So the familiarity was there, and I ended up picking the Saints. And, you know, the history is there. I, I won the Super Bowl my first year, recovered the onside kick. So I made the right choice. But just because you don't get drafted, just because you don't go where you're supposed to go, you know, if you have the belief that you belong there, which I always did. I always felt like I belonged in the NFL just for those maybe two minutes while I doubted myself and doubted the work that I put in. But I always felt like I deserved to be in the NFL and I worked that way. So now, as soon as I got in, I learned the playbook ASAP. I wasn't even healthy enough to participate in OTAs. you know. But when I was healthy, I hit the ground running. I didn't play that much in preseason, but the coaches saw enough for me. They saw enough resilience and toughness for me and the resolve in my character that they kept me on the 53-man roster. I've never been on practice squad, and I've never been cut in my whole career. Yeah, and there's a lot of guys as you get, especially with the agents, as you get to the end of round seven, guys are hoping they don't get drafted. Could you pick? Because then it's a feeding, a feeding frenzy, and now guys are looking to go to places where there's a spot on the roster that they can earn, as yeah. opposed to just being some camp body and a random pick that they make at the end of the round. How about uh, Charlie in Portland, Maine? Charlie, welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. Hey, JC. How y'all doing? We're good. What's on your mind? <laughs> hey, Bob. I I got I, I have a little gripe here sure. with you. Not a, not a big one. But I do listen to, uh, sometimes I'm up in Maine, and sometimes we can't get the game uh, on uh, TV, so I listen to, you know, you on the radio. And sometimes even if I get the game on TV, I like to listen to you and Carl. But the problem I have, I never know. I mean, sometimes I'm listening, and maybe I go into the kitchen to get something. And all of a sudden, I hear you, like, screaming the top of your lungs, Touchdown! Touchdown! And I'm going, wow, what happened? We must have scored. No, it's the other team you're, you're, you're hollering about. So my, my thing is with you, can you just knock it down and notch it so have when you, the other team scores? Have you, do you, do you, are you familiar with the name Marty Glickman? <laughs> yes. Okay, yes. so Marty Glickman, when I got out of Fordham in 1986, Marty took me under his wing and uh, mentored me and then got me my first job on the old WNEW AM as his backup on the Seton Hall basketball broadcast. PJ was the head coach, and they wound up having their good run in the late 80s. And Marty said to me, he goes, remember something, especially as an announcer in New York. He said, you're not working in the stick somewhere. You're in New York City, the height of, you know, the profession. And he says, if you're at a game and you're sitting with your friend and you're rooting for the team, your home team, but somebody on the other team makes a play that is incredible and maybe something you haven't seen, you're going to reach out to your buddy and go, oh, my God. An exciting play is an exciting play. Just no, remember I, that. I, I, yeah, I understand that. I mean, I'm not telling you, like, you know, when the Giants score, it's a, you know, the volume level is a 10, okay? All I'm saying, you don't So you want the opposing the team volume to be about a 7.5. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. An eight. So I can tell the difference. All right. You know, like, 
like the time it happened was is like we had the ball. I think no, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. The I don't know which team had the ball, but what happened was a pick six. And and you're screaming like, and I'm going, oh my god, we must have scored. And I come back, no, it was a pick six. The other team scored. I'm going. What? Well, you'd, you know, I, I'm, so, sh- I'm sure if you were watching and not listening, you would have been screaming at your TV. <laughs> Charlie, you like what anyway. you like when the Giants lose. I thought. <laughs> so, well, I you, know I don't like it when they lose. I just don't like it when they don't play well. Hey, right, but so another. You got a question? Another thing. I, yeah, I got a couple questions. Okay, one thing is, look, I, I'm a big uh, Hooker fan. All right. Oh, man, uh, I am with you a hundred percent on this one. Somebody's yeah. going to get themselves a gem, and there's going to te- be teams that look back and passed on Hendon Hooker that are going to be very disappointed because, let's face it, the dude was he was going to win the Heisman if he doesn't get hurt. Right. And they're going to be well, in look. the playoffs. And he's got two years of body of work under him, 56 and like five each yeah. year. Come on. Well, that, that's what I'm saying. If he's there at 25 and you just, went, you just laid out this whole thing about uh, if a guy's grade is higher than a need player, then you got to take him. Well, one if and we love this guy because we brought him in in the 30s. We've been talking to him a million times, multi times. If he's there at 25 and he's the highest graded player on the board, the Giants have to take him. So they then, have to. Well, then what do you do with Daniel Jones? <laughs> no, you still got Daniel Jones, and if he falls on his face this year, you got Plan B. Very simple. I, I just, In the quarterback room, just got a hell of a lot better. I just don't think that's a great move, especially because you're so much invested in a not-so-old quarterback. Daniel Jones is not old. He's in his prime. And then you have a very viable backup in Tyrod Taylor. You know, Yeah, and, but if they think, J.C., if they think this guy's upside yeah, but is here, so much higher than Daniel Jones' but, upside. But they don't. They but them. but they they don't. And I'll tell you why. Well, No, okay. I'm, I'm going to tell you why. I mean, All right. I know there's a lot of Giants fans out there that are lukewarm still on Daniel Jones. Yeah, and, I'm uh, very lukewarm. Okay. But yeah, the, he's, yeah. he's the main one here. But right the here, people <laughs> upstairs from us, the people that reside upstairs from us in this building, meaning the decision makers, the general manager, his staff, the head coach, and the offensive staff, see a lot more in Daniel Jones than you do and then a lot of media experts see. They see a lot more. They believe a lot more in him. You could tell that from the contract. Correct. Because, listen, Charlie, to your point, and now I'm going to make my point about upside, is they didn't pick up Daniel's fifth-year option. Boom. They let it play. If they didn't see an upside that – some of you guys don't see out there, they had the option to not pay him. They had the option to be right in this draft and use their draft capital that they had to make trades to move up to get one of these quarterbacks that's going to get drafted, whether it's uh, Levis, Stroud. And we would have been picking a lot higher, too. Bryce Young, whomever. They could have made a move because if they said, well, man, these guys' upside is way better than Daniel Jones, let's not pay him. Let's just take our draft capital, move up, and let's go get one of these quarterbacks because we think he, they're better than he is. They didn't believe that, and they went and they gave him a contract. Mm-hmm. So I know how you feel, and a bunch of other Giants fans feel that way, but the people that are actually making the decisions don't feel that way. But why did they spend so much time with Hooker when they, after they gave Jones that contract? Why would they spend so now that much happened, time with this smoke? Charlie, Charlie, no, no, that happens all the time. It happens all the time. It's information gathering. Mm-hmm. It's understanding about the player himself. They might have spent a lot of time on him picking his brain because you know what they want? They want intel on one of his teammates. Right. And they want intel in that regard. And maybe they want to throw a smoke screen out or something like that. Or, hey, four years from now, the way this whole thing may work out, we may be looking for a, a new quarterback or somebody gets hurt or whatever. You'd be shocked at how often teams go back to draft interviews down the road when they're bringing in a free agent. I, w- I won't be surprised because I went through that process. I understand what that is, you know. And and sometimes you you resonate with some teams, you know. And maybe they were in a position to get you, you know. And and maybe four years down the road, it is. Maybe they're they, they think 
that the commanders would make a play on this guy. And all of a sudden, you got a little information on one of the guys in the division. You know, who, who knows why? But I think at quarterback, if we're going to make for certain that the Giants are set at one position, I think for certain it's quarterback. Charlie. I got one last thing. I okay. just got one last thing, Bob. Um, you were talking about, you know, the Giants like offensive linemen that can play 50 different positions. I would rather have a guy who can play one position really, 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 really well than a guy who can play three or four positions fair. And I think that's what we've done too much as New York Giants offensive line. We take guys who can play three or four different positions, but they don't play him great. Yeah, they but, play him okay. But Charlie, I would rather have a center who's played center his whole life and plays it well. Well, that, but that's, that's different regimes, and they're locked in at left tackle. They're locked in at right tackle. So now they're looking for some versatility. And, yeah, I think if there's a guy who's a pure center and he's got the highest grade of the old lineman left on the board, I, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if they took the guy. Yeah, me neither. I think that's, that's right. a position that could be addressed early, even though Joe Shane, look, he understands how this works. He understands that he doesn't want to divulge too much information. I think Dayball and Shane together, especially during the year last year, we watched him kind of navigate through questions, answer them without giving the real sure. answers. The Derek Cheater answers, you, the Eli Manning answers. You know, so they speak, but it really when you dig through it all. They didn't give you anything. They're not giving you anything important. <laughs> but that's what it is. So don't, don't be surprised if there's smokescreen there. Don't be surprised if there's, you know, uh, stained glass, right? It's just something that's there that's not really there, you know, because that gives a, the Giants an, an advantage when people don't know their hand that they're going to play. Because there's teams that are in front of them that could be looking to screw over the Giants. Happens all the time. You know, they look, maybe the Giants are getting this guy. Since we got this guy, we're going to take this guy, and that'll leave the Giants in, you know, a cluster, right? Uh, yeah, how many guys get drafted by teams that aren't one of the top 30 visits? And they, they're like, I'm shocked that they get – the only time I talked to them was at the Combine. Well, the only time I ever really interacted with them was at the Senior Bowl. And next thing you know, my name's getting pulled by that team. Giants fans, take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. You can stay connected – to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. Learn more about all the exclusive member benefits. Visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. Uh, let's go back to the uh, phone lines in Hugo in New Jersey. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. It's a pleasure speaking with you. Great speaking with you. I have... Yeah, I have a sort of a strategic question. I mean, Joe Shane has already acknowledged that as he thinks about free agency in the draft, he has to think about the teams in the division and, and how to win within the division. And uh, I've been following some of the other teams in the division. I found it interesting. I think it was Jeffrey Lurie uh, of the Eagles who made the comment that it's an offensive league and that uh, all else equal, they'll invest uh, resources on offense. And if you forget about what they're saying for a moment, if you look at what they've done in the offseason, they've lost about five starters on defense to free agency. Uh, they're weak in the middle linebacker spot and safety. Their two cornerbacks are aging players, and they're aging across the defensive line. So having said all that, you could sit here and say, hey, you know, they may be vulnerable on defense, but certainly on offense, they're a powerhouse sort of almost every position, offensive line, tight end, receiver, quarterback, etc. So John Schmelk used an interesting word uh, when describing the, some of the AFC contenders. That he, he said they're in an arms race, right, which suggests that teams like the Bengals and the Bills and, and so on should be uh, acquiring offensive players to you know, put up points on the scoreboard to compete with Kansas City. So, so my question to you is, to compete against the Eagles, should the Giants be loading up on defense since uh, the Eagles' defense is vulnerable and we can make do with our offense, or should we get into an arms race with them? I have a view, which, you know, if you'd like, I, I would express at the end of the call, but I'd like to hear your views first. Well, I mean, it's defense. I mean, the, the, Giants, the Giants couldn't stop the run last year. Yeah. Now, the whole year. 
Okereke is going to be a big help. He's going to be a big factor. Uh, you also have to look at, again, everything is connected. You know, which one of your secondary members next year are going to be free agents? Do we have to add some more corners? Because we got to deal with Philly. we got to deal with Dallas's passing. We have to deal with the receiving core that Washington has. Yep. We've got to be able to match up with them. So I think... I think focusing on the defense, you saw with the Ashawn Robinson signing and bringing in Nacho, that the Giants are making a concerted effort to upgrade that interior of their defense to be able to stop the run. Yep. So I think I think all of those things are factors in this, Hugo. Yeah, and I don't think yeah. the Giants offensively could be considered, I don't know the word you use, a juggernaut. Whatever word you use, that's not the case. The Giants were middle of the, the league in total offense, and yes, top five in rushing offense when you include Daniel Jones and what he did on the ground. But it by no way means the Giants are strong or uh, at the top of the NFL in terms of all-around offense. And at that receiver position i don't think you have a thousand yard consistent receiver maybe one year thousand yard maybe for isaiah hodgins if he starts off the year for the giants last year possibly so wandale robinson sterling Shepard, if he can stay healthy there's a lot of ifs right this hasn't hasn't been a lot of concretes he did this saquon's the only one right and the other thing is and he's he's not on the roster right now (laughs) well he yeah technically technically but here's the other thing too these defensive coordinators around the league have paid a lot of money and now there's tape on isaiah hodgins so isaiah it's going to be your counter move absolutely it's going to be your counter move. what do you do when people know who you are right right and people know who isaiah hodgins is you know last year he probably caught some guys by surprise the offense with kafka running the offense and kind of switching it up week to week given the guys that they were playing you didn't really know what to do but now there's a lot of game film there's playoff footage there's a lot of footage out there on all of these guys it's not going to be too many surprising factors excuse me surprising players but older players Younger guys, yes, Wondell Robinson, guys, Beavers, guys that didn't play last year or play very limited, those are the only guys that are going to surprise defenses and offenses. Trust me, Daniel Jones, he's not going to surprise anybody next year. No. Yeah. Uh, Hugo, did you have a final thought on that? Yeah, I, I mean, this is sort of the way I, I feel about it. I, first of all, I agree it should be defense, and one of the things I like to see out of this draft is to improve all three levels of the defense, not just the cornerback spot. But sort of the way I think about it is that when a team like the Eagles is just up and down the field on you and scoring, it, it takes certain elements of your offense away. So you have to reach a certain level on defense to compete against their offense in order to fully utilize um, your offense. Sure. So in other words, if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, they were able to keep the game close in the Super Bowl, and therefore they could afford to start running Pacheco in the second half. If they were behind by 24 points or something, they wouldn't have been able to do that, and, and then who knows what happens in a game huh. like that. And I think that's what happened to us last year. We didn't really stick to a running game against them, and I think they could be vulnerable against the run. But we were Which they were. They were. Situation. Yeah, we were forced into passing situations and couldn't compete. So that's my view on it. Hugo, appreciate the call uh, here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. The phone number 201-939-4513. Let's go to Tom in Stratford. Tom, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Um, I'll, I'll be fast because I know you probably have a lot of people waiting to get on. But I uh, first off, I think Charlie is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way they're drafting Hooker. And there's no way they should even think about drafting him. Danny Jones has had a great year last year. If we give him some more weapons or some more time, you know, better protection, he'll do even better. Um, Again, the point I made is if they thought any of these prospects was going to be an appreciable upgrade at the quarterback position, they would have said to Danny Jones, hey, you did a really good job for us last year, but we're looking to upgrade. Just like Alex Smith had tremendous success in San Francisco, but Harbaugh thought Kaepernick would take it to another level. Alex Smith was really good in Kansas City, but they said, "Hey, we got to go get this kid, Mahomes. He's special." Poor they Alex felt Smith. any, I know, <laughs> but he had a really good career. But if any of these guys, in their opinion, had this wild upside over Daniel Jones, the Giants just wouldn't have done they the contract. Yep, they yep. had the flexibility to yes or yay or nay, whether yep. fans like it or not. And if you and if you think about it, right, if Daniel Jones wasn't as good as he was last year, 
the Giants would have been picking in the first half of the, the draft. And it would have been potentially a right. higher chance that they can get one of these stud quarterbacks, Bryce Young, if the Giants would have did poorly this year or similar to what they did the year prior and been able to pick top five, Daniel Jones would have probably had a poor year and he would probably been out. Probably. I yeah, don't know. I just, but he'd have definitely not been a $160 million man. That's for sure. All right. So your question or well, point. Uh, but um, D- DJ does learn uh, need to learn how to get out of bounds quicker. <laughs> I agree. I will say that <laughs> one thing that. I would agree with, I think I would agree with Charlie on one thing, though. They seem to be collecting a lot of, like, what we'd call, like, jack-of-all-trades, master of none in terms of interior linemen. I wouldn't mind a stud in the middle. I'm thinking that um, that guy from Wisconsin, but not in the first round. I'm thinking hopefully maybe he's still there in the second round. Um, and because I'm not sold on uh, that J.C. fellow they just signed. Mm-hmm. Or, or Lehman. Oh, Lemieux, Lemieux, am I saying He's always hurt, you know. So, He's always hurt. That's a shame, you know, but it is what it is. But uh, And then finally, um, uh, Bob, I wish you and Carl actually did a, a dual broadcast, not only the radio but the TV, because <laughs> I love listening to you guys. And I don't change a thing, so don't listen to Charlie, okay? <laughs> yeah, and you can listen to us and watch the game on TV if you have the right – if you have the right stuff, you could that's you know, my just, setup. just hit pause. <laughs> that's, so all it is is hitting pause. That's my setup. <laughs> all right. Is all right. He get... Well, Jeff, enjoy tonight. Thank you for the call. Uh, thank yes, you very much. Tune in to our live coverage of the NFL Draft Thursday and Friday night, streaming live on Giants app and the Giants YouTube channel. We'll react live after each pick, take calls from fans reacting to the Giants selection. So a lot of opportunities there. We got time to swing in a couple more calls at uh, 201-939-4513. Len in Maryland, you're on the show. Welcome, Len. Hey, hey guys. Bob, um, pleasure to talk to you. Nice to talk and to Jonathan, you. And Jonathan, uh, and Jonathan, always a pleasure to chat with you. Same here. Welcome back. Yeah, man. Um, okay, hey, big night. Uh, can't wait. You know, I've been waiting since uh, late January for this night. And um, I think it's going to be a successful night for the Giants. My, my feeling is um, there is going to be an opening day starter at five positions when we pick at 25 tonight. And, and let me add, um, I'm for holding on to picks. I, I've never been a trade down or a trade back guy. We earned the 25th pick. Let's go get us an opening day starter. And I think there's going to be a bunch of guys who are going to be sitting there who we, who we can plug in and play pretty quickly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping... You got two names for me of uh, uh, in different position groups or maybe even three that you're hoping are sitting there at 25, depending on how the first 24 picks unfold and depending on what happens with well, the quarterbacks and if there really is this go grab them and forego in the top 10. Yeah, yeah, I think there's going to be an interior offensive lineman, uh, either guard or center, uh, that we can plug in um, at the 25th pick. I think there's going to be a wide receiver there. I'm big on Quentin Johnson. For some reason, Johnson seems to be sliding. I mean, he's not sliding very far, but, I mean, he's sliding down. People looking at him as, you know, the fifth wide receiver. I think I think I think the concern with him a little bit is that he had a very high drop rate. Yes, supposedly the hands are the are the problem. Well, yes, usually when you play receiver, that's an important thing. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I well, yeah, but it's not. But it's not the only thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I think you're looking at these receivers. I'm I I believe um, Bob and John, and I think John Jonathan has certainly said this before. It's a big man's game. Good big people beat good little people on the football field. And Johnson is a big man, and uh, I think he can do some things for us. I, I, I know Jonathan has heard this. Um, my rule of thumb as a GM would be never draft anybody who weighs less, who weighs less than 180 pounds. Um, if he turns out to be a good player, fine. But when you look around at other guys at that spot, there, there's going to be other players there. I, I just I, I like big people in this sport. Um, I, I think uh, you know wide receiver. I think um, uh, 
cornerback. I think there's going to be a starter. I'm hoping for Deontay Banks, a uh, little partial, partial toward that player because he's from the University of Maryland. So interior line, either a center or a guard, wide receiver, uh, cornerback. Um, if Branch is one of the four or five guys there, I think Branch could start on this team next year right away. Um, I, I think we're in a favorable position. I'm looking forward to it. I think I think we're going to be picking a, you know, a star, a second contract type guy, at that 25th pick, and I, I hope we hold all the picks. All right. I like those picks. Well, I, I have and, a, uh, I have a counter to one of the points that you made sure, about uh, sure. small guys versus big guys, and basically you'll take yes. a big guy over a small guy. Yes. See, yes. football is all about leverage. It's that's the game. The game of football is about yeah. leverage. And sometimes yep. smaller guys have a little bit easier leverage, uh, a little bit better leverage to get there easier than a, a taller guy. Eric if you Flowers have a big, a big guy. if you have a big guy who can't bend, they're useless in the NFL. You know, if you have yep. a smaller guy who can play bigger, they're marvelous. Yep. Aaron Donald. Yep. Aaron Donald's yep. not a big guy. I mean, for position, yeah. he's not a big guy. In the, in the world of men, he's huge. But at that D tackle position, he's one of the smaller D tackles in the league. But that gives him instant leverage over these taller tree type offensive linemen, and he dominates them because of that. So I'm not too sure about the small versus big. Big is better than small. Yeah. It's all about leverage. You got a guy that can play with leverage at whatever size. He has an advantage over a yeah. guy bigger than him that doesn't play with leverage. You know, it's hard to argue with that point, Jonathan. But let me let me just add one thing, and let let's let's stay with the de- interior defensive line. Um, you, you know, the tackles and especially the nose tackle in a 3-4 defense, I mean, that, that's not going to be a 295-pound That's going to be a big man. That's going to be a 320, 330. Yeah, it's going to be a big gonna guy. That's going to be a big guy, and, and that's why you want a center who's a little bigger, too. A center at 295. I know Kelsey's I was about to not over Kelsey. 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. I, I know he's not over 300 pounds, but, you know, to, but to block those big guys, to block those nose tackles, uh, man, you got to you got to be somewhere within thirty pounds of those guys. I mean, you can't be, you know, two ninety five versus a three thirty or a three thirty five. But I, I get I get your point, Jonathan, and and I trust Shane. Um, you know, and Shane, we trust. He's done a good job so far. It's been a terrific off season, and and you know, we're going to add to it tonight. We're going to add to it tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, right, thanks Len. for taking my call, and let's go Giants. There you go, yes, sir. Thank you, Len. All right, so we're just out of our allotted time, almost out of our allotted time here. So um, I want to ask you the question because you, so you didn't get drafted. You wound up going to New Orleans. You wound up winning two Super Bowls. Did you carry a big chip on your shoulder? Because I remember in the old Giants stadium, I'm talking to Antonio Pierce, and he had this, I think it was a yellow piece of paper. And he played on a great Arizona defense, mm-hmm. Arizona, you know, in college. And he wound up not getting drafted. And he had on a piece of paper, like the 32 or whatever the number was, 28, I can't remember, of the interior linebackers that got drafted <laughs> over him. And every year he would like cross, cross off another off. name as a guy washed out of the league. And yep. there was a couple of them that obviously turned out to be great players. And he said like it was a motivation. He would always look at that list just yep. to remind him of uh, – you know, they passed on me, and I'm going to show them and make them pay. Yep, yep. I did something similar to that. I have my draft date on my hand, 42609. So we're about 15 years later. Am I doing my math correct? And 31 linebackers got selected in front of me. And it was late in the draft, Bob, and I'm sitting there six, seventh round. I'm like, who is that guy? I don't even know who that is. You know, of course, you know the top guys. But it was definitely a, a, a humbling moment for, for me, for sure. Um, but I remember as my family got together, when I you know, was able to pick the New Orleans Saints and decide that I was going to go there, we kind of had like a toast. And my little speech was, and I was emotional, because I was ready. You know, I was ready to get to work. My, my speech was, I'm coming to take somebody's job. Because I know at that position, coming in as a free agent undrafted, they don't expect me to do too much, you know? And I'm gonna surprise people, which I feel like I did. Um, And right away, a couple of veterans, Vilma, Drew Brees, Darren Sharper, I know we don't say his name much, but I had a lot of respect for him before all the other stuff happened. 
they came up to me early on and they didn't even know my name. And I'm, I was wearing number 62, they was like, hey, 62, you're doing a great job. Like right away, you know, just interacting and not really playing as much. But, you know, I, I wanted to show up early. You know, I wanted to show the coaches that I'm, de I'm, I'm dedicated because I think that was a question on my character because some of the things that I went through in Wisconsin, and Bob, you know me, you, we, we've met each other uh, years ago, and as time has progressed and I stepped away from ball, we've kind of gotten to know each other a little more. That's something that was a mistake, I feel like, from scouts. I'm not a questionable character guy, but I did some questionable stuff in college, and that's what happens when you're a young guy. So some of these guys that may slide, they might be fantastic players in the NFL, and they may not get drafted early. They may not get drafted at all, but there's going to be a gem in this draft that people overlook and they're going to do some great things in the NFL. And I hope one of them guys end up with the Giants. Yeah, I mean, look at the guys that wind up in the Hall of Fame or perennial pro bowlers that are taking in rounds two, three, four, and five. It's yeah. not like all 32 first-round picks are right. slam dunk Canton bound. Jonathan, a lot of fun. Enjoy the draft tonight. Thank you. You too, brother. We're going to have complete coverage here of the picks and everything else. So, you know, you go to Giants.com, Giants TV, the Giants mobile app. We will have reaction to all the picks. Obviously, all the Giants media platforms will uh, have all the announcements, the interviews, everything that you need to know about the Giants. You keep it right here. So for Jonathan Casillas, Bob Papa saying thanks for listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcasts. Enjoy the draft, everybody.